Hi, and this is Pastor John. Welcome back to our second video in our first week of our Spiritual Warfare Discipleship Module. Since the Iraq and Afghanistan wars, there's been a shift in military terminology from talking about a battlefield to a battle space. And maybe you, like me, at some point have toured various Civil War battlefields, and it usually is a field <laughs> that has maybe a few hills on it and a tree line that surrounds much of it and probably some roads that come here and there. And you could picture as you looked across that field where the two armies, the Union and the Confederate Army, faced off often on opposite sides of the field. You see, a battlefield is a well-defined space where a fight takes place. Usually it's a fight over just a few days and it ends with a clear winner and someone else leaving in defeat. But in the wars of the past 20 years, mostly in Afghanistan and Iraq, we didn't have battlefields. We started to use the term, the battle space. And that alluded to a reality of these new type of wars, that it is not as well defined as a battlefield. Unlike the maps of Civil War battles, where you can look at the map and see very clearly the position of the Union troops and the Confederate troops, and you could see how the topography played a key role and where reinforcements came and where someone was able to flank the other people, a battle space doesn't have near that type of clarity. And one of the things when I was deployed to Iraq is we would often say that the center of gravity in this fight, so the center of gravity is a military term for the idea of what is the key thing that if you can capture this, it will give you an overwhelming advantage to win the war. So in many Civil War battles, it was capturing key terrain, a key hill, and that is often how war has been fought. But in guerrilla war or counterinsurgency warfare, we would often say that the center of gravity for winning this war was the hearts of the people. That, that if we could win over their hearts and minds, we would have what we needed to win this war. And it was the same that Al-Qaeda in Iraq was trying to get. They wanted to control the hearts and minds of the populace. And when they did have that influence, often through intimidation and violence, but when they had that influence, they were able to turn the tide so they would be winning the war and they would be able to enlist the local populace to do things like plant roadside bombs or to house various war materials, guns and explosives and stuff, or to house their own fighters or provide them funding and food. But when the coalition forces were able to kind of turn the tide and capture the hearts and the minds of the local populace, it also turned the tide of the war. I was able to see this between my first and second deployment to Iraq. One, the first one, which was incredibly violent with lots of people being killed and injured. And the second one, which was remarkably peaceful with much less violence. And what had happened between that first and second deployment was something called the Sunni Awakening, which is where many of the Sunni in Al-Ambar province realized that the coalition forces, mostly Americans, actually had the same goal as they did, to provide safety and security and freedom for their people. And so when their hearts aligned with ours, it turned the tide of the war and totally changed the course of uh, the fight in Iraq. And it caused the people to be willing to tell us where the bad guys were hanging out or where secret weapons caches were. or They would no longer be willing to help plant roadside bombs and stuff like that. 
Well, in a similar way, in spiritual warfare, the center of gravity is the hearts of the people. That more than anything else, what Satan is after is your heart and mine. Remember back to those two decisive spiritual battles we looked at in the last video with Adam and Eve and then Christ. Well, what was this battle about? It was about control of their hearts. Right? Satan, through his lies, was trying to win over their hearts towards him. Now, because of the complexity of operations in a battle space compared to a traditional battlefield, we would often talk also about lines of operation, or as we call them, lose. Not the British kind, but <laughs> lines of operation. Because in the end, we were after the hearts of the people. And you couldn't achieve that just by conventional warfare, killing more bad guys. But it would require a broader focus, things on helping the economy, restore infrastructure that had been damaged, training local police, community development, health aid for those who need it, infrastructure development, all of these things that we, we saw that our role was to make progress in several different lines of operations. And if we could do that, we could win the hearts of the people, which would turn the tide of that war. And in a similar way, because Satan is after our hearts, he has various lose, lines of operations that he uses to advance his goals in the world. And we see those three main lose in Ephesians 2, 1 to 3. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. So did you catch the three lose there? What are they? Well, first, it's the ways of the world. This is the broader culture and society, its morals or lack thereof, the peer pressure that it brings, the kind of canceling effect that if you don't get on board with what our society is doing, you can be uh, rejected. The normalizing of sin, so things that were once considered uh, clearly wrong are later accepted. That is one of Satan's lines of operation through influencing, controlling, changing the culture and the world. Well, the next line of operation is the ruler of the kingdom of the air. This is Satan, his actions in the world, the evil spiritual forces that are out there at work. It says that he is at work influencing those who are disobedient. Now, this is probably what we think of when we think of spiritual warfare, uh, but it's only one part of it, as we see from this passage. And then the third line of operation is the cravings of our flesh. Often we don't need Satan's direct influence. Our own flesh is plenty powerful enough to lead us into sin. We are captive to its desires and thoughts because our flesh has been thoroughly corrupted by sin. So in this discipleship module over the next couple weeks, we're going to give you a tour, not of the battlefield, that would be way too simple, but of the battle space and those three lines of operation that Satan uses to capture the minds of the world, of the people, of humanity. And it's often referred to as the world, the flesh, and the devil. So we're going to unpack each one of these lose. We're going to show you how God has equipped us and his church to fight in these areas. 
We're going to look at the armor of God and how that equips us to fight demons. And lastly, we're going to look at some common errors in the idea of spiritual warfare. So we'll see you soon.